This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yo, and welcome to the 83rd episode of Lake of Rage, a Pokemon trading card game podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Clementi, a.k.a. Mellow underscore Magikarp. I'm joined today by a very special temporary guest host. Joining us for the 83rd time is going to be myself. Yes, we're going to do a solo episode today. This is something that if you listen to podcasts back in the day, PTCG Radio used to do these all the time, and I promise to ramble a little less than the Wasi does, but it's going to be the same idea, and we'll see. If this goes okay, we'll do them again in the future when I feel like I am someone who can be very like well known in the topic they're very well versed in the topic and if it goes poorly then i would appreciate some feedback for sure but what happened is i've been testing a bit of lugia and then i played it in a 1k tournament this past weekend in seattle washington at tabletop village and i have a million thoughts on this deck and i kind of figured like well I don't think I need someone else to really go through it. I've kind of got a good little outline in my head, and that's what I want to do here. Plus, honestly, the baby's keeping me a little busy, right? So this might be a shorter episode today. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the 1K results, what I played, how I played it, etc. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the list here on the screen. If you are listening through a podcasting app, you are the best. Please rate and review all that other good stuff, right? But if you're listening through a podcasting app, I will have it. I tweeted it out. It's on the YouTube. You can go check it out. And there's going to be a YouTube video tomorrow where I do a VOD review of one of the games in the 1K tournament. It was a Lugia mirror match and kind of I'm going to say how to play it. It's not that intricate at all if you've done it. But I want to talk about Lugia a bit because I think this deck is absolutely nuts. And we have yet to fully see that flesh out in NA. Online tournament results, Lugia has been kind of mid. At my local, so even the 1K yesterday, 38 people. No Lugia has made top cut. Spoiler, your boy didn't make top cut, right? And people were asking me, like, is Lugia overrated? I mean, maybe, right? We did call it the new BDIF. Heggy last week, Hegster TCG last week called it new Mewtwo Wars. I don't think it's quite that good. But I think there's a lot going on with the deck that I do want to discuss. So I'm going to start with the results of the 1K. I didn't make top cut. I went 3-2-1. I'm going to be fully transparent to uh, the level I consider myself as a player. I do consider that a terrible finish. I'm like super disappointed. But I feel like that level of transparency is important because it's also kind of like a toxic mindset and something that we all have to get ourselves out of. And we've had multiple guests kind of talk about that stuff, right? But like sometimes there's variance in a card game. Sometimes you lose and sometimes you misplay. And so... You have to kind of think about that, right? And that's kind of the mindset that I'm still in of like, you didn't do that well, but that's like perfectly okay. Those days happen, right? But I want to walk through a bit of it. So I'm prepping for Toronto Regional. It's going to be one of the two regionals that I get to go to this year. Uh, last year, I did earn my world's invite with two regionals or in the first two regionals. So I'm hoping that can happen again. So we are going a bit try hard and we're kind of full blown try hard. And that Lugia is my number one pick. Other picks include Reggie's. I'm going to work on Zoroark Box, of course, because I think it's actually probably pretty good. In the very least, I think it's fun to play. So those are kind of the three that I'm leaning between. Reggie's, I don't have to practice more Reggie's. The deck is the same. Zorark Boggs, I wasn't ready for. So I was like, I have to play some Lugia in this tournament to get practice with it. Uh, the sequencing of the deck is not particularly difficult, I would say, but it does take a bit of practice or a bit of thought. 
So definitely a deck that the first couple times you play it, you will miss sequence, you will misplay. Thankfully, I did that on PTCGO the night before the tournament and less so during the tournament. But there was a bit going on. But that's why I chose Lugia. I do think it is the best deck in the format. That might not be true. It might be an S-tier deck that's not quite the best. But let's go ahead and run through the matchups real quick. So like I said, round one, I hit a Lugia Mirror match against Primetime Wizard, Wancho. Good friend of the channel. He's streamed several, or not streamed. Well, he did. He streamed the box opening for Tabletop Village, where they opened their Silver Tempest. He has commentated a handful of Sun and Moon Lost Thunder gauntlet games that are on my YouTube channel. If you like Sun and Moon Lost Thunder, go check those out. Banger games and some banger commentary there. But we played a mirror match. I'm not going to go too into it because tomorrow's YouTube video, which is Wednesday at the time of recording, or tomorrow at the time of whatever, you get the idea. Coming out on Wednesday is that YouTube video, and I think you should go watch it if you're curious about the Lugia mirror because there are some misplays on both ends that I think are pretty darn pivotal. We play the Lugia mirror quick to right? Hit some lost box in the next round. I find one of the weaknesses of the deck immediately that we all kind of knew. So my list plays two collapse stadiums and a pump kaboo. I played against the Lost Zone, Sableye, Cramorant, you know, the baby Lost Zone deck, right? They play a path on turn one, and I have to manually power up a Lugia because I prize my Pumpkaboo, and I just cannot find a Collapse Stadium to save my life. So I don't think Path Auto wins a Lugia matchup, but that was something that I definitely found, like, I gave them too many free attacks. <laughs> like, they had their Sableye set up and using Lost Mine before I took my first prize card. Thankfully, all of my stuff is really beefy, so it didn't matter. I was able to 2-0 them, but it was incredibly stressful. So that's one of the first weaknesses I found with Lugia was that Collapse Stadium is good, Pumpkaboo is good, but finding them against Path is tough for sure. My round number three, I hit Fusion Strike Mew, which was truly terrifying. Thankfully, my opponent had to use Forest Seal Stone to find the Battle VIP Pass on turn one and not actually like completely body me with Meloetta shenanigans. So that was really lucky for me. And I found the matchups actually really solid going into turn two. If you get past turn one, you're fine. I did go second, but I was able to get down to Lugia. So the way the matchup actually went was, I think this is how it's actually supposed to go. It's not how I thought, but you're going to be able to take a prize on Oricorio at some point, probably, or two Genesex. And then you're going to Eveltal the Mew. And I think that is definitely the way we have to play the matchup as Lugia. You could add a Crobat VMAX or add a Drapion. And I honestly think the matchup's unlosable at that point. Like you hit with Drapion and you bench a Lugia at the same turn. They can't KO both. You're golden, right? You're going to win for sure. But I don't think the Drapion's necessary after playing it. The Veltal is just too good. The Lugia with a V-Guard energy is just a little too thick for them to deal with whatsoever. Uh, you're probably not going to Oko with your Lugia. I definitely thought like, okay, I can definitely hit this. And I was like, 330 is a lot. That is all of the powerful energies and the choice belt. So that matchup, uh, like I said, I think it's correct to go like Serena to Genesex. KO with like a Charizard and a Lugia. And then Eveltal a Mew. And that's probably what to do. If they attack with Meloetta and you don't just lose the game there because you're out of Lugias, then I think you're actually in a really good spot also. That didn't happen, but that's one where you KO with a Lugia. It does not matter. Get those Fusion Strike energies off the board for sure. Eveltal the next Mew, and then Serena with Charizard to win the game. So I think that matchup is fine if you make it past turn two. Like I said, 
I don't know if it's lucky, but my opponent had to use Forest Seal Stone for their VIP passes, so they were able to do a lot, but they weren't able to do everything they needed. So at this point, I'm 3-0. You know, it's best of three. So these are, you know, I'm going win, 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 win. I'm technically 6-0 in individual games. And then round number four, I hit Reggie's. Now, I did tech for Reggie's with Dunsparce and Manaphy, and the collapsed kind of. Lost City's probably a better tech for Reggie's, but it was still hard. And one of the things that I want in this deck would be a third capture energy for sure. I currently run two. I've seen people run zero, and I think it's so bad. So I'll, I'll get into the specific counts and what I think should probably change in the future for the deck, specifically the Aurora energy build. But I want to talk about the non-Aurora energy build as well later. I hit Reggie's game one. I get down Dunsparce Manaphy. Uh, these scoops on like turn two. It was it was bad. It was like okay, this is how the game's supposed to go. Um, game two, my opponent chooses to go second, gets the Regilecki snipe on my Dunsparce. I go like, I start Lugia, attach, capture, get a Dunsparce pass, right? Just in case they pop off, get the turn one hit. They did. Because I got the Dunsparce down, they had to use the sniping Regilecki instead of the other Regilecki, right? But they were able to KO the Dunsparce, and that was miserably bad. Uh, I think you lose to Reggie's when that happens. When they get the turn one attack with the optimal attacker... You just got to say GG's, right? And then game three didn't finish. I did start Crobat and gave them a two prize head start. So it would have been a rough, rough, rough one. But I think it would have still technically been winnable because Lugia's thick. They were down multiple stadiums. There's a chance a collapse could have stuck for at least a second turn. So, you know, fine. We tie, right? We're 301. Round five, I hit Arceus Duraludon, which is a matchup that I still think is perfectly fine, but is definitely sketchy for sure. So they were able to start their Arceus. I Spoiler, rounds five and six, I hit Arceus Duraludon. They started Arceus all five games we played. Um, the Duraludon can be dealt with with the Veltal, and we have a tool jammer for the Parasol. I do think a second either tool jammer or a lost vacuum to go back to that path of the peak being an issue for this deck is something that we can definitely consider as well. But I lost to the Duraludon. Uh, game one, I had to research away my tool jammer. A little thing that I figured out after was I had a Luminion in hand with a research. I could have benched the Luminion for no effect put the tool jammer on it and then researched away. Like I had to research. There was this is one of those hands, right? Where like I have to just draw cards. Um and because of that, I could have shuffled the thing back into the deck. Like I could have used aqua return, put the tool jammer back in and we would have been good to go. Because I went second, I felt like I had to research, which also might have been a misplay Luminion for Marnie might have just been the better play too. I prized one Marnie, so I was kind of nervous about using my last Marnie. So there were two definite misplays. If I want to research, I can put the jammer on the Luminion to Aqua return it. And if I don't want to research, then I could have just gone for the Marnie or even gone for a Serena and just kept the jammer in hand. So, you know, some definite misplays there on my end. So we lost that game. Game two, I went first, so I won. And game number three was uh, unfortunate misplay. I bench locked myself so I couldn't play the Veltal down, which was a bit of an oopsies looking back, right? It was a long day. I was tired. So definitely something to not mess up on. Keep your bench with an extra spot in it. So 
I was able to eventually get the collapsed. But by that point, uh, she had just prize raced me. Like I was too far behind to stand a chance, manually powered up both Duraladons. So that was just a game over at that point. You hate to see it. But we lost, so we end up 3-1-1 there. And then round number six was also on stream. You can go back and watch it, but you really shouldn't because the Duraladon actually didn't do anything in those games. I just lost the games. Uh, game one, their Arceus took four prizes before I dealt with it. You can't do that, right? Like I said, the Duraladon didn't matter. and <laughs> The Arceus ran all over me. And then the other game, I just never set up. It didn't matter. Game two scooped on turn two because I had no Lugias. And they had, again, already set up and were good to go. So that's how my 1K tournament went. And like I said, I was really disappointed with myself. But A, I got some really good testing in. And that was one of the important things. There's like a lot of notes with the deck that I think we can kind of dive into now. So one of those things is for sure. Consistency is key with this deck. I think you can play a greedy list, but I don't think it's the best idea. You really want to start your Lugia or a single prizer that you can easily pivot. So I actually like the Dunsparce and Manaphy. I think they're perfectly fine starters. Like you don't really mind. The only time you would mind is like against Reggie's where they manage to get that KO on it. But otherwise, it is one retreat. So that's good. And it forces your opponent to gust to get a multi-prize knockout. So that's good too. Going second wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I think there has to be a balance between what Lugia decks are going to have in terms of single prizers and abilities to find Lugia. So my current list, I have four Quick Ball, four Ultra Ball, four Lugia, right? So that's 12 outs to Lugia plus two captures. That's 14 outs to a turn one Lugia. That is a lot. <laughs> that is almost at that point of diminishing returns. So there was a while back where we talked about the Zoroark and like getting the turn one bridge of the Zoroark GX, right? And there was that curve and I forget the exact, it was either 15 or 16. And at that point it was like a 90% chance that you had an out to a turn one Bridget in your opening hand. I can want to say it was 15 or 16. Someone will let me know for sure. I need to dig this up because now I'm curious, but at a certain point there's diminishing returns and every card you add doesn't add a huge percentage to your chance of starting whatever it is you want, whether that's a Bridget as a supporter or that's a Lugia. And I think this deck is just about at its maximal consistency. Now, I did say earlier, I wouldn't mind a third capture energy. And part of that is the Reggie matchup of just getting out extra Dunsparce and Manaphy is super nice. And then it's another Lugia out too. So the question is, is it worth it? I don't actually know. The two capture right now, I'm a big fan. I love the capture energies. It's one of the first things you accelerate out of the deck if you set up. And if it's in your opening hand, you always throw that thing down because it lets you grab whatever you want. It's such a good card. So this is something that I think Lugia decks really have to start to figure out is what number of non-Lugias do I play so I don't get bodied going second? And how many outs to Lugia do I play so that I still find it on turn number one? Because you don't mind going second. All that has to happen is you survive. If you survive, you get your summoning star ability to power up the two arc or get the two Archeops ready to go. You can win literally any game at that point. But to do that, 
it's a bit of an issue, right? Do you have to find a second Lugia because you started one? Your opponent's going to knock you out because they're a deck that can threaten that? You know, there's just so many questions out there. So I'm at 14, and I think this is one of the things that anyone who's playing Lugia should take a look at. If you're not starting Lugia as much as you want to, are you playing enough outs? Versus, if you're constantly starting Lugia enough, could you potentially cut some outs without harming that consistency? 14 is the number I'm at. It could be too much. It might just not be worth it at that point. You should play a little bit less. But I'm generally a fan of it. The other one is just the which tech attackers do you have? I have zero lightning attackers. So I've decided that my board as the Aurora Energy build in Mirror is going to be two attackers, one active, one on the bench. Manaphy, Dunsparce, Archeops, Archeops. That way I'm playing around that amazing rare Raikou that everyone else is playing. And by playing around that amazing rare Raikou, I'm essentially just playing the better deck because I've got a second V-Guard energy that a lot of them don't have. I just have less useless Pokemon. Like the Raikou is now just not worth it whatsoever because it's not doing anything. 120 in the active for three Auroras. That's like really bad. You just can't use these Aurora energies that efficiently. And I think that's something else we have to look at because I was able to one game against Mew I started Charizard. I was able to turn to attack with the Charizard for the full five energies and still use an Eveltal and still use a Lugia to finish off the game. That was kind of massive. That was stressing the resources as thin as possible, but it was doable. So once you start adding more and more tech attackers, the question kind of becomes, at what point is it too many? Do I already have too many? Is the Aurora build even better? I want to talk about the other build a little bit later too. But I think this is something else we need to consider. A lot of people want to keep shoving these cute tech attackers into the deck. But at the end of the day, you have to get out that turn to Archeops or else you probably lose the game. So I think I am leaning more towards the consistency. And a lot of people out there are currently leaning towards a lot of techs it feels like there's like two camps right some that are cutting all tech attackers and some that are going excessive into the techs and i think it feels correct to me to actually cut down but keep a couple of them i think it's a middle ground currently and that's what i did i had a 4-3 lugia line one eveltal one radiant charizard and then that was it i used aqua return a lot in the tournament i used archaeops's what's it called speed wing i use archaeops's speed wing a lot as well and i think those are also just things you have to keep in mind when you're playing this deck is you do have other attackers um another thought on the aurora energy build is the collapse stadium choice so i did play two collapse stadium in addition to the pump Goob. i think pump is necessary for sure otherwise path will body like i mentioned earlier so this is one that i'm so torn on and i know people have different ideas for different stadiums as well but the Collapse Stadium to me is worth keeping because of its ability to just bump anything that's already damaged, a Crobat, a Luminion, and it's a cute little Reggie or Palkia counter as well. Lost City is another that is just so tempting though, because you don't care if your stuff gets Lost Zone, you don't play Recovery. You're never going to play Recovery in this deck most likely. But Lost City helps the Reggie matchup. It would help the Lost Zone decks as well, whichever one that might be. They all play some form of recovery, or at least the current lists do. So whether it's Giratina or whether it's most likely like the Sableye version, I think Lost City is something that the deck has to consider, you know, a lot as well. 
but there's other choices. I'm not sure. I've seen people online playing Path in the version that doesn't have any radiance in it or doesn't play Aurora energies. That's one that I'm like, I'm not sure of. Like Path was not so an Arceus, but it seems bad in here. But also maybe it's perfectly fine. But like Arceus had B barrels, so suddenly you have to shove a B barrel in there if you're playing Path, probably. So I'm like super unsure of that one. That's one that I want to test out moving forward and one that I think all of you should kind of look at a bit too. Um, what else on the list? The tool jammer and two choice belts. I played one jammer. I kind of want another one. Another thing that's cool, like I said, the parasol, but also against Mew, it is essentially a big charm and that's just really nice. Uh, just having that extra like, all right, I got a V-Guard energy and a tool jammer. This thing is not going down. Like Mew is not hitting 310 without choice belt. That's just not happening. So GG's Mew, right? Uh, that is, like I said, a second tool jammer seems good, but a lost vacuum might. It's like worse, but better in that it is a path out too. And if Reggie keeps being good, and I keep bringing Reggie up, but I think Reggie is a really S tier deck right now. I would say Mew, Lugia, and Reggie are the three best decks in the format. If you're not playing one of those three, you better find something that beats them. But uh, Vacuum is good because they play the four path. They are a Marnie path deck. Uh, if they stick you for a singular turn, you might just lose the game. And that's obviously very bad. We're very reliant on V's deck. Uh, Lugia plays off the board a lot, though. That's also worth noting of why isn't there currently B barrels in lists. You don't really need anything. If you're going to build a tankier version without Oko options like Charizard and Eveltal, you need to find your Sharon's Care or, you know, whatever you're looking for, right? But otherwise, you don't need anything. There's plenty of turns we just don't need to support her. You take four cards out of the deck with Primal Turbo plus your top deck. You're essentially taking five cards every single turn. There's You just play the game and then you're just good to go. And you're like, well, I do have a Serena in hand and you have something squishy on the bench. So I'm going to go ahead and KO it. One other thing that I think is worth mentioning is the Archeops count. A lot of people talk about the three versus four Archeops. I'm pretty sure four is the better choice. I think, like I said, the more I play the deck, the more it really comes down to you have to, have to, have to get consistently set up. That's really it. Your mid game, you're usually fine. If you set up, you do win the game. Whatever Pokemon you need, get them out early, get the Archeops early, and you just kind of win the game. I was team three at first because it was like a wasted bench spot and I could be wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. If I get a free deck space back and one less dead card in my opening hand, the deck gets even better. But Archeops usually isn't a dead card in the opening hand. Archeops is usually quick balled or ultra balled away immediately and suddenly the dead card in the opening hand isn't dead. It's exactly what you need because one of your goals is Archeops in the discard pile, right? So I think four is correct, but again, not 100% on that one either. And a tech that I think I haven't been seeing lately that is probably worth mentioning as an option is the gift energy. Gift energy seems really cool. Uh, it lets you draw until you have seven if you get knocked out. So those mid games where you're just like, oh, I kind of need a boss for game. You just accelerate a gift energy to whatever it is you're attacking with, whether it's the Charizard or you're attacking with an Archeops, or you're attacking with a Lugia. 
shove a gift energy on it, you get that massive hand back. And it's also a way to play around that like path heavy Reggie's or a path heavy something else that might show up. Like, okay, now I've got options. Like I had a small hand before, but now this was the extra draw supporter, an extra draw supporter that I can actually accelerate out of the deck. So I think gift energy is something that might start creeping into lists as well just because it's so good. And then V-Guard Energy is something that I'm not sold on either. I put this in the tweet immediately after. V-Guard Energy is a very, very good card, but it's like it feels incredibly niche in that it's only good in some matchups and some situations. Now, those matchups do matter in that it's the Mirror Match and the Mew Match, but even then, the difference between 280 and 310 in the Mirror is big, but if you get the Jammer down, not like that massive so v-guard energy versus just like another tool jammer as an option against all of those and then you can play a better energy like the gift energy for example or more captures or something like that could be good and then something we've seen online lately has been people cutting the aurora energy builds and going into the like straight colorless builds so your big hitter is the reggie gigas as opposed to the Veltal or the Charizard. And then you've got some Sharon's Cares. You've got your Lugias. A lot of these have been playing Path, which is one of the things I'm super unsure of personally. But definitely something that I think all of us need to take some looks at is just the super straightforward, like, I'm just going to play Colorless. I'm going to play all the broken Colorless energy, Gift energy or Draw energy and more V-Guard energies and more Captures and more Double Turbos. And you have Sharon's Care and you have Dunsparce protecting all of your board. And still have the Dunsparce, you know, these are the Dunsparce Manaphy combo still. And all of that seems very good. And it's kind of like Palkia has gone back and forth between being the most aggressive deck in the format and being kind of a slower mid-range type deck. Or Arceus did the same thing too. There were some Arceus boxes that were... Just like, I'm gonna overpower everyone. I don't care about disruption. I am made to beat these decks. And there's a chance Lugia goes both ways, right? You have the Arc Intel. There's kind of a big, long, sustained deck. We could see Lugia Colorless become that thing. And if it does, that's gonna be one of the top decks. Sustained decks are almost always powerful just because they do what they do better than most people can do what they're trying to do the longer the game goes the more likely those sustained decks work and their whole point is i want to last as long as possible a single sharon's care can just swing the game in your favor it goes from you never win this to you pretty much always win this so playing a couple sharons with the lugia seems good now one of the things i'm worried about with that deck is the gust Sure, you Sharon's Carrot, but then you have to get another attacker ready to go. And then you have a squishy 220 on the bench. And so oh, can you just boss it up? Because unlike Inteleon, uh, Arc Intel, you can't just search it out. So another card that's just like, yes, it seems good, but how good is it? You know, remains to be seen, right? You still have the powerful energy, so you can still Oko stuff. You can still be aggressive. The Gigas can KO the Kirims of the world and the Muse of the world. So you don't need the Veltal. It's easier to pull off. I think the Gigas having five energies looks threatening, but it's not. It's not hard. That's you know, double turbo, and then another energy. You know, double, you can just go double turbo capture and then double capture. Boom! Two primal turbos. You set it up in one turn. No attachments from hand, right? You're going to play double turbos anyway because it's a good card. 
Double turbo is your retreat option. You get your Lugia out of the active with it. And something else that I think I found with the deck is pivoting your Lugias is so huge. Everyone plays Gust. Well, there might be Regis without Gust, but pretty much everyone plays Gust. But forcing them to Gust is like an entirely different thing. And this deck can just kind of pivot between attackers so easily. And I can retreat and then I can set it back up again if I have to later. And I think that's something else. Just knowing when to retreat is so massive with this deck as well. So I think Lugia is going to see two things happen moving into the next like part of this meta moving into laic and next week we'll have a more like formal meta discussion with some guests on for sure for laic after we get some more results but i think lugia is firmly placing itself at the top tier but it is not the level of dominance that we saw in japan i don't believe so I think it's going to be incredibly good. It's incredibly powerful. Once lists start to get hashed out, I think that is going to be the difference. Currently, lists are kind of all over the place with people running the Japanese style lists and then people experimenting with these other things, which is good. You should experiment. Don't just automatically net deck and say this must be the best thing out there. Figure it out. That's what I'm trying to do too. My list, yes, it's Vanilla Lugia, but also, I've taken out certain texts that people are like, no, these are absolutely broken. Because like, well, are they actually? And it's like, oh, I haven't actually missed any of these texts. Versus, I found needs for other texts that people haven't been talking about. So I think lists are going to get hashed out. And I think we will see the archetype actually go into two separate categories, just like Arceus did. We'll see the Aurora Energy build that is built to tech out or teched out to beat whatever the meta is going to be eh, maybe a little less consistent overall but the options are definitely there and that will draw people to it and then we're going to see the straight colorless build that has that extra sustain and it's just like these big tanky lugias just surviving hits and being happy and then smacking you back for 800 damage because they have powerful energies and they have belts and yeah they have the Gigas. You know, they have so many options there as well. So that's kind of where I see Lugia going. I don't think it's going to choose one of the lists. The community might choose. But I think they're both going to see success. I think it will be correct to say there's Colorless Lugia and Aurora Lugia. And I think they're both going to be very, very good. And that will also kind of make it look a little more dominant than it is in that it is two separate decks that we keep categorizing as a single deck i do believe that was all of my thoughts on lugia which like it said it's going solo i don't want to ramble too much so it's a shorter episode than normal hopefully that's totally okay though i had a ton to think about after playing this deck uh a fair amount and so i was like i really want to get all of these thoughts out here um as always we do appreciate any constructive feedback on the like solo episode maybe it's just like you know that wasn't for me i prefer the long form or i prefer to hear two people talking that's totally fine too i understand or maybe positive maybe you're like you know what i like how succinct this was i like that you clearly planned out what you were going to say instead of just kind of rambling or trying to figure out what was going to go on you ramble a little right that happens all the time but yeah, be sure to rate and review us on any podcasting apps. Shout out to Tabletop Village again in Seattle, Washington for throwing this 1K. You can find me on 
Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at mellow underscore Magikarp. If you want more content related to Lugia specifically right now, the Lugia Mirror Match VOD review is going to be live on YouTube the day after this podcast comes out that Wednesday. And we'll catch you all next week.